Welcome in to episode 36 of the Eyes on Texas multicast uh, overlooking downtown Austin and the University of Texas. Uh, we are live and with you coming off of a uh, interesting January the 1st, an interesting January. The national champion has decided and we're going to be talking about it with you over the next hour or so here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. Welcome to the weekly podcast that understands that the pride and tradition of the Texas football program will never be entrusted to the timber of the week. It is episode 36 of the Eyes on Texas. Uh, it's a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We are powered by our presenting partner, Grande Equipment, and our four other founding partners who've been with us all year long into the new year. And we can't appreciate them more as we launch. I'm Aaron Hogan, morning show host at The Horn here in Austin. Uh, he is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Mike Craven, holding it down in the Big Easy. Our digital producer, Nolan Hogan, will join us here for our broadcast tonight and our podcast. We call it a multicast because you can listen to it or watch it in multiple ways. Uh, you can see it on the YouTube channel at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the Republic of Football channel there. You can also watch it at hornfm.com, the YouTube channel of the Horn. Also, you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. And uh, back from New Orleans, but uh, Mike Craven, you know, we did not record an episode last week and we apologize to the audience out there who has become a staple of, of watching and listening, but uh, you came back from New Orleans last week. Uh, you were there Wednesday to Wednesday, I believe, and came back with a, a pretty good bout of the flu. So we did not record, and now we're going to do a, a full bore, uh, full recap episode. But how are you feeling, my friend? I'm good and good to see you. Doing better. Turned a corner. Uh, fever down. Yeah, landed last Wednesday. Woke up Thursday. Knew something was wrong. By Friday, uh, fever was there. And so missed the national championship game, even though it was in Houston. So that, that was a bummer. But uh, we're back. Uh, la lagging cough. Still, still there. Uh, but you can't go to New Orleans for a week and not bring something back. <laughs> That's true. At least it was just the flu, I guess, is the That's way you true. look at that. That's, That's probably good a good thing. Uh, no, no arrests and no uh, other chronic diseases or anything else that uh, could come back from New Orleans. But uh, it was a good time, and we'll talk about it. Uh, certainly, obviously, for the for the audience, we'll talk about the Longhorn loss, 37-31 uh, to Washington, heartbreaking uh, loss for for Texas, and really frustrating was the uh, the adjective I have continued to use since that game. It was heartbreaking at the end, but kind of frustrating as the game went on. And we'll talk about uh, the Michigan Wolverines winning the national championship last night. Uh, coming up on this edition of the broadcast and this edition of the EOT, uh, if you know it, we break it into four quarters like a football game. In our second quarter, we're going to talk about the comings and goings at Texas, uh, who is in, in the NFL draft, who is declared, and who are we still waiting to hear from. The list grows by the day. Also, the transfer portal for the Longhorns. The Longhorns numbers continue to grow. Players who have entered the portal out of Texas are picking their spots, and uh, Longhorns are still chasing portal prospects as well, which we will talk about in our third quarter. At our halftime, we'll talk about the game itself and also the NFL Longhorns, who is starring on Sundays and who will be playing in the NFL playoffs. And in our fourth quarter, we'll hit some of the uh, big questions. We call it the Final Four. We'll talk about some of the big questions around college football into the offseason now, but we'll certainly also talk some Texas basketball with the Longhorns into conference play now. That'll become a fixture here on the Eyes on Texas. It's a multicast that focuses on Texas football, but also Texas athletics. So we'll talk some Texas basketball, men's and women's, uh, here into the month of January, which we're excited to do. Uh, and it's going to be good. Before we get launched and get going, let's uh, thank our presenting partner at Grande Equipment and our great friend and partner there, Wes Murray and his team, who understands your reputation is all that you have. Uh, that's what it's about. Got to spend some time with Wes and his team there in New Orleans during the national championship weekend, or excuse me, the semifinal weekend through New Year's and ringing the new year with Wes and his team. Uh, I promise you, 
when you have a project and, and you need heavy equipment, uh, no matter the scope of your project, the size, all that matters is getting it done and getting it done on time and getting it done on budget. That's really what it's about. And that's why Grande has grown as they have for 31 years. Any and every project, uh, they partner with you on that. When they earn your business, that's just the beginning of the relationship. Uh, they want to make sure you get to the finish line on budget, on time, without hassles, all the equipment you need all the time. That's what it's about, the right piece of equipment. They get you what you want. They get it to you quickly. And as Wes always tells me to tell you, it's not they're not in the equipment business. They are in the relationship business. They're also an independent contractor, which is important. They can work with all major manufacturers, uh, get you the Caterpillar, the John Deere, the Komatsu, Volvo, and more heavy equipment, sales rentals, and refurbs. If you want to bring an old piece of equipment back to life, they can do that as well in their refurb shop. No one does it better than Grande Equipment. They also have a new uh, renewable energy sector supporting solar projects all over the country, specializing in pile driver application, both new and used equipment with the capability of renting statewide and nationally. It's Grande Equipment, our presenting partner. They're your international independent dealer. They are small and nimble, independent, but play in the big leagues in a big way at GrandeEquipment.com, located in uh, San Marcos, Texas. Started in Dripping Springs, but have grown, outgrown that location into Buda, now in San Marcos. Remember, Grande doesn't overpromise. They overdeliver. Find them at GrandeEquipment.com. All right, Mike Craven, let's uh, start with the last two Mondays. Uh, New Year's Day, New Year's night in New Orleans and the 37-31 loss by Texas. And then last night, Michigan wins the national championship in a 34-13 game that the score was, you know, Michigan controlled the game for sure, but it was 20-13 to midway through the fourth quarter and, and Washington had their chances. I think Longhorn fans are pretty frustrated that uh, the Michael Penix that showed up last night in Houston was not the Michael Penix they saw in New Orleans the previous Monday. Uh, certainly Michigan's defense, the number one defense in the country, affected him, but he was not nearly as sharp last night as he was in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, just start with with let's start with the game last Monday in New Orleans. But uh, your thoughts on the 37-31 game? You were there. You were in New Orleans. Uh, frustrating was my adjective I used coming out of it. But what were your thoughts on the Longhorn loss in the semifinal game? Yeah, frustrating is probably a, a good word. It was it was clear early on Washington was going to have the advantage in the passing game. And to me, I, I guess and and last night colors this a little bit too. But I think most of us left wondering why Sark didn't run the ball more. Um, they they had success on the ground. You want to play defense with your offense, uh, keep it slow. Uh, but they threw the ball 43 times. They ran the ball 28. Now, some of that's the score. Uh, but Texas was in striking distance for most of that football game. Felt like they abandoned that a little bit too early. Michigan's built to be a team that just pounds and pounds and pounds. Uh, Texas wasn't able to do that as much. Um, and so, to me, it came down to a quarterback versus quarterback battle. If you're going to throw the ball 43 times and match Michael Penix and the Washington offense throw for throw, your quarterback's got to play better than it did. Quinn Ewers did not play as well as Michael Penix. Michael Penix hit every single throw. That was one of the better quarterback performances I've ever seen in a big game. I mean, it was it was really amazing. Some of the windows uh, Penix and those wide receivers were were making completions through. I didn't think Texas' defense played all that bad. I mean, there there was a lot of times where guys were covered, where that, that's as good as coverage as you're going to get in college football. Uh, Washington just made plays. A lot of times, good offense beats good defense, and that's what we saw in the Sugar Bowl. Texas wasn't able to match. They had the opportunity with three shots uh, from the 12-yard line there. Um, the last one looked pretty open, um, but you know that's just the, the next maturation of Quinn Ewers is going to be making those plays, and he hasn't played as much football as Michael Penix. It definitely seemed to show in that Sugar Bowl. Yeah, and I think, you know, the reason I say frustrating from that game is, to your point, I mean, I think Longhorn fans forget that it was 21 all at half. 
I mean, it's anybody's ball game. I mean, whatever it was, whether Texas abandoned the run, they, they could run when they wanted to. But at the end of the day, 30 minutes into the game, it was 21 to 21. And I believe the game was lost in the third quarter uh, with the Longhorns running five total plays, Washington running 22 total plays. And they built, they took a 13-0 surge um, from a 21 point, you know, 21 all game. Uh, and the, you know, hard to, hard to underestimate how big the CJ Baxter fumble was on the Longhorn first possession, first carry of the first possession of the second half after Washington had come out of the half and gone down and scored, which was frustrating the Texas defense. But I, you know, I do think Stark, Stark at 28-21 wanted to, as you said, Mike, establish the ground game and knowing that kind of Washington was giving them that. They were giving them the run. They were more fearful of the, of the big plays with A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy and wanted to make Texas earn it, uh, prove that Sark would be, you know, you know, patient with the run game. And I, I, you know, I'll never be able to prove this, but I feel like that was, was the kind of the goal. He did say it after the game that the second half, they really wanted to control the run game, but CJ Baxter fumbled the ball. Uh, so you're already down seven. Then they control the ball after the fumble and kick a field goal. Now you're down 10. Uh, Jaden blues fumble, uh, you know, leads to another drive and a field goal, which now you're down 13. And at that point you pretty much have to abandon the run. And it kind of skews those numbers you talked about in my mind. Uh, just frustrating there. But then at the end of the day, because of, you know, Washington, who played an A-level game uh, up until the final couple of minutes and the clock management was just horrible and they got some bad breaks with an injury. I wasn't sure what Kalen DeBoard was doing after they recovered the onside kick, not just taking a knee <laughs> and letting the clock run down. And uh, they were running the play. Their, their running back got hurt on that series, which uh, cost them time. Uh, that was just a weird series. And in the end, as you said, the Longhorns had four plays from the 12-yard line. And, you know, you, you, you know, you wish you could have them back. And Quinn Ewers has some throws you wish you could have back and some plays. It was a frustrating night because I do think the Longhorns had every opportunity uh, to win that football game. But uh, Michael Penix played, a, as you said, as good a championship or championship-level game as we've seen. We had some messages on the morning show that I do saying that now I know what USC fans felt like playing Vince Young. You know, back in the day where you got this guy, you just can't stop him. Everything he does is on point. And uh, it was it was a frustrating loss for the Longhorns, for sure, uh, which, as we saw last night, Michigan came out, roared out to a, you know, 17 to three lead by running the ball. And so to the to the Sark should have run the ball more. Yeah, he should have run the ball more in the first half. No one could have predicted the third quarter. You only get five plays, the fumbles and what went on. You had a chance. You could see that Penix was on. You gave up a lot of, you know, big plays early. Uh, he had a chance to control that game with the run game in that in that especially in that second quarter, and they really did not. Uh, but you know, it, it's the 2020 2020 hindsight Monday morning quarterback. Uh, in the end, the Longhorns finished the season third ranked overall in the AP top 25. Uh, that's a pretty good season, Mike, to finish behind the national champion 15 and 0 Michigan uh, Wolverines, and then Washington, who beat you at the buzzer. So you know, to finish third overall, win the Big 12, a step forward season, safe for you. Um, in a big way to win the championship, go 12 and two and our uh, 12 and, and the only losses came to two 60 year left-handed quarterbacks and Dylan Gabriel and uh, Michael Penix, when it's all said and done, two very experienced quarterbacks who were able to attack your weakness in the secondary, which we're going to talk about tonight, Mike, uh, on the podcast about, you know, how the long was trying to overhaul their secondary and, and, and change how they're able to cover in the back end. But um, pretty darn good season at the end of the day, as frustrating as last Monday night was. Yeah, huge step forward, right? I mean, you were able to hold leads. You won a Big 12 championship for the first time since 2009. Uh, Quinn Ewers establishes himself as one of the better quarterbacks in college football. While not playing well enough maybe to move on to the next level, like you're going to have 
a scenario that maybe you wouldn't have thought going in. I tell you going in the year, Texas is going to win the Big 12, play in the college football playoff, and Quinn Ewers is going to come back uh, for 2024. You're going to take that one. Um, defense played really well, obviously, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. I think those guys and the way that they matured and played this year on top of Coburn and Ojemo last year kind of prove what Texas is doing defensively, that they're uh, developing these guys into NFL draft picks. I, I think it's really established themselves, not only as kind of a, a really talented team, which Texas always is, but they've established themselves as like a blue-collar, physical, hardworking team that can win in the trenches. Uh, I think they've done everything from a perception and and on the field level um, to check all the boxes in 2023 as, as a success for sure. Even if the last game is frustrating, only one team's going to win the national championship, uh, but a really good year for the Longhorns. Yeah, and let's remember Michigan, you know, lost in the national semifinal two years in a row. So there is Georgia before them lost in the national semifinal on their way to winning back-to-back. So it is a process. And, you know, one of the things we saw from Michigan last night, I think it's fair to say, is they didn't have any weaknesses. There's no glaring hole on their roster. They're good everywhere. They're deep everywhere. Uh, They're not dynamic, but much like Georgia for two years, they're just, you know, talented, deep, no – fatal flaw on the football roster and end of the day Longhorns really did have a fatal flaw they were had a weakness in the secondary weakness in coverage uh that got exposed in the two losses and that's what they're going about to fix but you know to be in year three and be where they are third ranked overall with the new players coming in which we're going to talk about in our second and third quarters coming up of the overhaul the roster who's coming who's going the Longhorns are still chasing uh, multiple portal prospects uh, to fill some holes because they've got some attrition that's just naturally happening off of their roster. And we're going to talk about it and highlight it for you here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. Nolan Hogan, our digital producer, is also here. And he was in the uh, Superdome like Mike, but you were in the stands, Nolan. You were there. Uh, turn off your mute button, too, by the way. Yeah. You were in the stands. Mike was in the press box. Uh, how was the scene? How was the crowd? How was the night at the Superdome? Is, is frustrating a pretty good adjective? And how good was Michael Penix? Uh, yeah, I would say frustrating is a perfect word to describe that night. Um, we were up in section 626, so field view, <laughs> not very comparable to Mike. Uh, I mean, but it was, we had the end zone view, so we had like a, almost a Madden camera view where we can see all the plays break down. And just to watch Michael Penix put dot after dot after dot on the money was pretty impressive. And it was, that was yeah. the consensus. Even from Texas fans, we look, look at each other and go, oh my God. He made that throw again. <laughs> yeah, under pressure too sometimes. The Longhorns, there was an Ethan Burke play on a touchdown pass before the half that, uh, you know, Ethan Burke came free, didn't get touched, and had him dead to rights, missed him. Um, you know, my, Byron Murphy had a sack, Mike, at one point that, you know, this is why going into last night, which is why you give credit to Michigan and what they did, you know, Michael Penix had only been sacked 18 times over the last two seasons and, gosh, 31 times for his career over – you know, five plus six years in college football, he's hard to get to the ground. And Texas ran into that and ran into the the A-level Michael Penix. Uh, Michigan affected him, but he certainly wasn't as sharp last night. You know, he missed some plays and some open plays that, gosh, Longhorn fans are like, come on, come on. Can, can we get some of that? We might have, might have been playing in this game. And I do think, Mike and Nolan, that uh, Texas had a better chance against Michigan personally. I don't know that they could have beat Michigan, but the way their run defense – and the way Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, again, to the fatal fall of Texas, you know, Michigan's strength played right into Texas's strength. The run defense and the front seven, um, you know, Washington had exactly what it took to beat Texas, and they had a quarterback who was on a heater that night. 
and beat the Longhorns. I, I do think the Longhorns would have had a much better opportunity against Michigan or against even Alabama than they did against Washington on that night. Yeah, and Texas on the back end, because it's your weak spot, you can't get creative. You can't hide stuff, right? You can't trust your guys to play in different coverages and mix it up. Michael Penix was comfortable. He knew when he snapped the ball what Texas was in every single time. He found yep. the right guy, he found the open guy, he made the play. Yesterday against Michigan, he was missing some of those throws that were open because he was sped up. He was chapping to get to his third, fourth read. He saw a cover three when he lined up, and all of a sudden they were in man or vice versa. That's what you can do when you have a secondary that you trust, when you have corners that can play man, where you can mix it up on a quarterback. And that's where Texas needs to get. They were fine in the front seven. They were championship level in the front seven and on offense. Uh, they weren't on the back end. They were able to hide that for most of the year, except for Oklahoma, except for Washington. Those are the two losses, and that's where uh, Texas needs to get better at. Yeah, and for the uh, and Nolan for the Michael Penix versus Quinn Ewers conversation, let's just say uh, I heard a lot of that, and you know Texas fans are, are frustrated with Quinn. You know, that's a quarterback in year two versus a quarterback in year six. Uh, yeah. Experience does matter. Uh, Quinn having this experience, Nolan, of leading a team to a championship, of you know playing in that game, being in that environment, uh, and coming back, which we have not heard officially. We'll talk about that in our second quarter coming up. Uh, we assume he is. I mean, he sounded like a guy in the post game that's ready to lead this team into the offseason and attack the offseason, as he said, um, you know, taking over for all the leadership that's moving on. But, um, you know, that's that's a that's a sixth year quarterback versus a second year quarterback. I think it it showed up quite a bit in that game. All right. Yep. Uh, that's going to wrap up our first quarter. Uh, but let me ask you all this on the way to the timeout. Longhorns play at Ann Arbor September 7th of this year, 2024. Can you give me, and you can wait to give it to me later on in the podcast, but who will be the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines when that game happens? <laughs> when Sean that Moore. game happens, who, say it again? Sean Moore. Okay. You think the offensive coordinator is going to get the uh, the bump up? I do. Nolan, do you I have do. a guess? I think, I think Harbaugh is uh, pretty much guaranteed to be in the NFL this time next year. I agree. Yeah, he's, hired, uh, he's hired Dan uh, Don Yee, the, the NFL agent, who's also the agent of Tom Brady, <laughs> uh, and many other NFL folks, and does feel like he's headed to the NFL. Sharon Moore would be an interesting one. The offensive coordinator took over in the games when Harbaugh was suspended and won all those games. That's a great guess. You know, Nolan, do you have a pick on who will be the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines when the Longhorns play in Ann Arbor in about eight months? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I surely don't think it's going to be Harbaugh. What about the name Brian Kelly? There's talk Ooh. that Brian Kelly, LSU's head coach, could be the top choice if they go outside the program. Also, Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer, who they just beat, would be a candidate as well. So keep an eye on that. Uh, we're going to follow it into the new year. But that's one to watch because it does feel like, I'll say this, uh, Jim Harbaugh had every opportunity. You were there, Mike. You were in New Orleans. He had every opportunity uh, for a week to – well, you weren't down in Houston, but you were there – uh, covering the, the game before, but he had every opportunity to, to tell anybody that wanted to hear it that he would be at Michigan. They asked him many times in all the press conference they had leading up to last night's game, and uh, he'd never confirmed, which makes you feel like he's headed to the NFL. It's good for Michigan if he leaves for the NFL because the the, the NCAA, while they may not have the bite that they used to and who knows what they're going to do, they're going to do something in Michigan. And if Harbaugh is still the head coach at Michigan, that something is going to be more severe then if he rides off into the sunset in Michigan, go, hey, look, the guy who may or may not have been responsible for that is now in the NFL. How are you going to punish us for something that uh, our head coach who did that or didn't do that uh, is not here anymore? I think it's best for all parties 
if you just ride off into the sunset. It's not going to get better than last night. That's as good as it's going to get. Three straight wins over Ohio State, three straight Big Ten championships. You win a national title, an outright one, I think for the first time in, you know, 60-something years in Michigan his, uh, football history. Just leave. Go to the NFL. See if you can do it there and if you can be – you know, one of those Jimmy Johnson, uh, Carol Ghana guys that can that can win a championship at the college and the pro level. Well, and his brother, John, who was on the sidelines last night, has a chance to win the Super Bowl this year with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that'd be quite the uh, the accomplishment for the uh, Harbaugh family. And you're right. I think he is back to the NFL. And I'd also say this for Jim Harbaugh. He's 60 years old uh, and he's at the end of his contract. If you were ever going to go and want to get back in the NFL and finish one and win a Super Bowl, now would be the time. You sign a new long-term deal with Michigan now. You know, by the time that you, you can get out of that thing, you're going to be in your mid to upper 60s. Uh, this is his time to go. And as you said, I think you're right about the NCAA. We'll see uh, where he lands in the National Football League. But that is interesting because it pertains to the Eyes on Texas multicast because the Longhorns will play in Ann Arbor next September. September the 7th is the game. You, uh, I know a lot of you are already planning to be there, be in that game in the big house and experience that game. You'll be playing against the defending national champions. Longhorns also next year will play the previous two-time defending national champions, Georgia, uh, in Austin in October, quite the schedule in 2024 for the Longhorns. And yeah, safe to say we're already counting down the days, Mike, to the next college football season. All right, first quarter, uh, as usual, is presented and brought to you by our great friend Carlos Carrion, uh, the Texas mortgage guy. That's what he has been for almost 10 years now. Uh, if you need a new mortgage, if you need a refi, Mike is, uh, excuse me, Carlos is your guy. Uh, Carlos is tremendous, a lifelong Austinite. If you're a Longhorn fan and uh, an Eyes on Texas multicast fan looking for a new mortgage, a refi, a new home, whatever it might be, uh, go see our friend Carlos Carrion. Talk to him. Find him at thetexasmortgageguy.com. Uh, we say closed on time by Carlos Carrion when it's time for that uh, new situation. And these are huge decisions you're making in your life here into the new year. Maybe you want to uh, buy that house, become a homeowner, all those things that come with that. Uh, as I always say, and Carlos always tells me to tell you, when it's time, you can still be a great homeowner. Uh, interest rates are probably not where you want to be, but in Austin, Texas, values are still going through the roof. If you can make it happen, you can always refi down the road when the rates come back down. Uh, get in now, get on a valuing asset, and let Carlos help you get there at thetexasmortgageguy.com. Born and raised in Austin, uh, lifelong Longhorn fan. Uh, so while you're going through the process and making these big decisions, uh, you can talk to Longhorn football, Longhorn basketball now, Longhorn baseball. He is your guide to help solve problems, strategize one of the most important decisions of your life. Great communicator, fast response times. Contact info is easy to find. The TexasMortgageGuy.com. Don't forget that the. Also on social media, on Facebook. Just search Carlos Carrion, C-A-R-R-E-O-N. Also on Twitter at Carlos Carrion 36 The Texas Mortgage Guy bringing you our first quarter. Time for our second quarter, and that's always delivered by the good times and incredible scratch comfort food at Hayes City Store and Ice House in Driftwood, Texas. Also, Travis and Tamara Tyndall, who own and have opened uh, Hayes City Store about eight, nine years ago now. They also have a new restaurant concept in Buda, downtown Buda, Texas, called Taste on Main. They bring you the second quarter. All right, Mike and Nolan, let's get into our second quarter. It's Texas comings and goings. The roster overhaul season is here. It started back in December, obviously, and now in full bore as the uh, offseason is officially here. Uh, so far, Longhorns who have declared for the NFL draft, Mike, Jonathan Brooks, uh, Adon uh, Adonai Mitchell is now into the into the NFL draft. Not a pro not a surprise. Xavier Worthy, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Jatavion Sanders, Jalen Ford has made it official, Christian Jones, Ryan Watts, the cornerback, and Keelan Robinson are the Longhorns who have declared. It is interesting to me on that that uh, the Longhorns could have as many as seven or eight 
top 100, top 125, you know, pick draft picks in the NFL draft. If you look at the numbers, but the the players we're waiting for official word on, Jade Barron has not made an official declaration. He has and has until January the 15th uh, to make that official as far as the NFL's rules go and the deadline. And then of course Quinn Ewers. Uh, Mike, give me your thoughts on our second quarter on the list that I, I rattled off there, the players who have already declared any surprises or uh, pretty much chalk for you? Pretty much chalk for me, but when you see it and you start looking at the stats of Texas this year, it starts to set in how much of a reload the Longhorns need to go through, right? I mean, rebuild's the wrong word because of how well that they recruit, possibly having your quarterback back, four offensive line starters, et cetera, et cetera. But you lose your top rusher and Jonathan Brooks, you lose your top five receivers and Worthy, Mitchell, Sanders, Whittington, and then Brooks. Uh, the two defensive tackles that set the tone uh, and Sweat and Murphy. And then your top tackler, Jalen Ford, who also led the team in tackles for loss. Jaron Thompson's in the transfer portal, and he led the team in pass breakups. And then you could get into the Jade Barron uh, situation. Also, like you said, Ryan Watts. And so there is a lot of production. Uh, moving on from this Texas football team as you move into the SEC. We talked about it all year. There was a lot of guys on this roster who weren't ever going to play a foot, weren't going to play a snap in the SEC. Uh, this is now Sark's football team. You start. I started kind of hashing out a, a too deep today on an Excel form just to kind of see what it would look like. They're Sark guys, right? This roster is his at this point. Uh, we're going to see how this recruiting and how the development behind the scenes really pops up in 2024. Well said. I mean, uh, that's been... You know, we, when you we go back to uh, the summertime and the talking season, which is now back again, uh, we did say that many times. Uh, this this Longhorn team is going to be led by guys who have no intention of ever playing in the SEC. They're playing for this year. They came back for this year. Uh, the the Jay Witts, the Jordan Whittington, the Jalen Fords, Tavondre Sweat, uh, all got Christian Jones, who all came back to to win a championship, leave a legacy. You know, obviously they did that, played for a championship, and have laid the foundation for what can be a special program moving forward, but it's got to be continued. But you're right. It's the fact that it played out like it did. You know, everybody had really good years and the Longhorns are going to, you know, they're going to strike while the iron's hot. You know, they're going to lose a lot of good players. I mean, as you said, top five or six pass catchers, you know, seven or eight defensive backs are either in the draft or in the portal. A defensive tackle becomes an, a, an attrition spot linebacker with uh, David Benda. And actually I did hear that David Benda could return. Yep, there he's is got one more year could, if he wants it. He could come back as a veteran leader and linebacker, but there's also talk that he could at some point here jump in the portal and maybe go to Nevada with Jeff Choate. So that's, you know, who's now the new head coach at Jeff Choate at, uh, at Nevada. We should also say that the Longhorns have had some coaching change here since the national championship game. Jeff Choate, who stuck with the team through the game on last Monday night, he is now officially taking over the reins of the Nevada program. And, Mike, they have added the, the replacement at the linebackers coach position uh, where Jeff Choate left. And uh, Johnny Nassen has come in from Arizona, um, which feels like a, a slam dunk. I mean, he was the defensive coordinator at Arizona. He's worked with Sark at two different places at USC and Washington. So Sark, very familiar with him. He said he jumped at the opportunity to leave a defensive coordinator position at a Power 5 conference, uh, school at Arizona that's coming into the Big 12 next year to be the linebackers coach and co-defensive coordinator at Texas. Uh, that's a big get to get uh, Coach Nassen in as the, the Longhorn linebackers coach, Cody C. No doubt. Familiarity within the staff continues, right? I mean, that defensive staff had stayed together for three years. If you're going to lose one of those to bring in a dude you already know and you've already coached with, I would imagine it has to be nice uh, for, for Sark. I'd imagine you take this job because you assume Pete Kwiatkowski is in line for a head coaching job soon, and then you can slide into that defensive coordinator role 
Uh, and then the move to the SEC, the the amount of money and, and the stage that it can put you on to put yourself in the position to go get a head coaching job like Jeff Choate did. I'd imagine those are all uh, very enticing factors. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think it, you, you look at it and I know you also host a, a Texas A&M podcast on the Dave Campbell's you know, podcast network. Uh, I'll keep that quiet. But you know, <laughs> uh, we did have some uh, Longhorn fans point out that the Aggies hired a linebackers coach to be their defensive coordinator. The Longhorns hired a linebackers, a defensive coordinator to be their linebackers coach. So there's, you know, different levels, uh, but you're right. And if you're uh, coach Nassin, you come in and you have a chance to coach some really good players. Anthony Hill is the linebacker. Uh, you know, the, the last year's recruiting class that featured, you know, Darian Gallette and Sabanje Burrell and Lafona LaFowle and these guys that we've already seen. This is a, this is a, a core group of linebackers that can be special if you can develop them, as you said, you could be off to a head coaching role of your own. The other name that is interesting, uh, uh, Mike, that is, is I've been told is, is within the conversation. Uh, at Arizona last year, one of their defensive analysts, consultants, was Dwayne Aquino. Uh, he was uh, on the staff at Arizona, and there is talk that there's conversations being had for now that Coach Nassen is here to bring, bring Dwayne Aquino back to Austin to be, you know, kind of that Gary Patterson special assistant role on the defensive side of the ball, which, you know, Longhorn fans know what Dwayne Aquina did at Texas in the 2000s and DBU and all those conversations. Uh, as you're rebuilding your defensive backfield uh, with a new defensive, you know, with a new linebackers coach, uh, you know, Dwayne Aquina could be a special name that, that uh, could be in the mix. Uh, I, you know, he has a good gig at Arizona. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, he knows Austin. He knows you know, Texas and knows this this program, that is a name to watch now that you've made the hire of the Arizona defensive coordinator. Yeah, still has some family in town. I think his son still lives in the area. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously, anytime you can add a, an old head to the staff that that loves Texas, that's been around it, that knows what it is, that's, you know, nurtured and found guys like Michael Huff and all, all those guys that made it DBU, um, getting the band back together and letting those guys kind of be around the program, I, I don't think can ever be a bad time. And anytime you can get a guy like a Gary Patterson, like a Dwayne, anytime you can put those kind of brains in your office, you do it. That You see across the country at a lot of these big programs, they have analysts and former head coaches and, and former staffers there. And so um, it's just the new arms race in, in college football. It's not so much about weight rooms and water fountains anymore. It's about analysts and making the staff as big as possible in NIL. Well, and he and Coach Nansen have having to have a relationship already because he was an analyst at Arizona. Uh, but he also coached Blake Gideon, who's the safeties coach at Texas. Uh, and there's a relationship there. My partner on the radio here in Austin at HornFM.com, Rod Babers, says Dwayne Aquino caught him, taught him everything he knows about playing defensive back and uh, swears by him. And as the Longhorns are in this rebuild of their defensive backfield with the mindset of cross-training, you know, corners, safeties, got safeties that can cover, uh, the great athletes in the back end, which they had in those 2000 years, 2000 to 2010, when they were churning defensive backs into the NFL, that's where they're headed. That's the kind of players they're trying to recruit. And, um, you know, we'll talk about that coming up. But uh, Dwayne Aquino would be a, would be a key factor there. How much like Gary Patterson was a couple of years ago. We'll keep an eye on that. Mike, as for the transfer portal in our second quarter, uh, real quick for our eyes on Texas multicast viewers, if you're you know, everybody was kind of scattered through the holidays, a lot has happened. Uh, the, the number of Longhorn players into the transfer portal is at 13. The number who have committed is at six to a new school, including Malik Murphy. Malik Murphy committed to Duke um, during the holiday season. 
Also, Charles Wright from Austin High Mike is into the portal. That came down just last Friday. Uh, he has not decided on a new place, but he's going to go play college football elsewhere. Also in the in the portal, Casey Kane, the wide receiver, and Isaiah Nayor, both wide receivers. They're committed. Uh, Kane is committed to UNLV to go play for Brennan Marion out there in Vegas. Isaiah Nayor has committed to play for Matt Rule at Nebraska. Uh, also, Sawyer Gorham Welch, who ended the entered the portal, he is committed to Coastal Carolina. Trill Carter, a defensive tackle for Texas, he jumped in the portal. That surprised some people. He has committed to Auburn, where he's going to play his college football next year. Uh, also, Larry Turner Gooden is going to go to San Jose State. He is a West Coast guy, anyhow, from California. He's going back to California. Uh, B.J. Allen, who is from, how about this, from Denton Ryan, a five-star kid out of out of Denton, high four-star. He's committed to North Texas. He's going to go play at North Texas, as is Xavion Bryce, another one of the defensive backs into the portal to North Texas. The other Longhorns who are in the portal who are undecided to this point, Jalen Catalan, Keaton Crawford, Jaron Thompson, and Christopher Ross. Your thoughts on some of the uh, the names you just heard right there, Mike Craven. And I don't, I think this is out there. I don't want to, Jalen Catalan is going to go to UNLV, I believe as well, and, and reunite okay. with Barry Odom, uh, who was at Arkansas and, and obviously. Okay, Brittany I had Mary. not seen that. Thanks for, um, thanks for um, And I, I think that's out there. And so anyway, um, I think one of the things that I find most interesting with the transfer portal is watching like where the guys go, like, where do you go to? Like, what is your market? What, what outside I was, I thought Malik Murphy's market was going to be bigger than, than Duke. And I, I think the other final Baylor was up there as well. Had he left after the spring, for example, there was team, there was Florida was, was getting thrown out there. Auburn was getting thrown out there. SEC schools and big 10 schools, uh, we're getting thrown out there. You play a little bit. Maybe that takes a little bit of the shine off of you. And so it's just interesting to kind of watch the portal, watch where guys go and how much you play or how much you don't play, kind of dictate where you end up, what your line of thought is, and, and kind of who's attracted to you. It's, uh, it's a whole new world. It's, it's fascinating to watch. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, Malik Murphy, we all thought he was headed to a big-time Power 5 school. Uh, instead, it seems like he wants to get a great education, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing either, right? He's going to Duke. Uh, they have a new head coach in Manny Diaz, so it's not like he's going into a stable situation. He's going into a brand-new situation where he has a chance to play. Uh, there's been a lot of these, right? Um, you know, the, the Oregon situation is interesting to me where, you know, they've added uh, Dylan Gabriel, but they also added the uh, the five-star kid from USC, uh, I believe, is going. Is that right? Or Oh, he yeah. ended up going to Boise State, didn't no, he? No, he went to Boise State. They added some – they did add Malachi, another. Malachi. Malachi Nelson. Yeah, yeah, they did add – Oregon did add uh, – Dante Moore, I think, maybe went Dante to Boise Moore. State. Yeah. Dante Moore is the one. Malachi went to Boise State. Yeah. Dante Moore went to Oregon along with Dylan Gabriel, along with Austin Novosad. I don't know who's going to play quarterback. Of course, Austin played uh, high school ball at Dripping Springs uh, here in Central Texas. So it's just interesting. And you're right about that, that the portal. But it also shows two things. I think there's some guys that when they, you know, we know through the month of December, Sark had exit meetings with all these guys. And Sark has always said, I'm going to be completely honest with you. So guys like BJ Allen, who end up at North Texas, you know, back in his home home area, there's kind of a you know we we don't we we don't we see a ceiling on you here, right? There's just we're gonna recruit over you uh, in Austin, and that's being real with a guy. And, and B.J. Allen gonna go play at North Texas, where he can be a part of a young growing program there. Um, you know, same with a Xavion Bryce. You know, some guys just get here and they were the best player at high school and realize, man, these are all real good players, and maybe I'm not gonna play. And the Longhorns are going a different direction in the secondary. Um, that just then same time you got guys that are going on to play some big-time college football. Sawyer Gorham Welch, a good one from East Texas. You know, he's going to go play at Coastal Carolina out of the fun belt. 
good for them. That's what I like about the transfer portal is guys who are you know going to be down on the depth chart pretty much their whole careers here have a chance to go somewhere and play and experience you know playing and being maybe being a, a big factor on a team at a different level of college football. I think that's a good thing as far as that goes. But those are the 13 players for the Longhorns. And uh, coming up after our halftime segment, our third quarter, we'll dive into the current portal prospects. The Longhorns have as many as five players. They've already added three uh, new players through the portal that we knew before the uh, the Christmas holiday uh, with Matthew Golden, the wide receiver out of Houston. Uh, also, Andrew McCuba, the Clemson safety, who's going to come in and be an immediate impact player. Uh, and then they also added uh, – through the transfer portal. Who am I forgetting here? Uh, uh, they had one other. They, the, Matthew Golden, uh, Andrew Makuba, and uh, I'll, Trey I'll Moore. get to it. Coming up. Uh, what's that? Yeah, Trey Moore out of UTSA. He was the last one. He committed the Friday before Christmas. The uh, the pass rusher out of UTSA, 14 sacks last year. How could I forget him? He's a key factor for the Longhorns. But there are as many as five others that the Longhorns are still pursuing because of other players who have entered the portal since that uh, the Longhorns have to replace uh, on this depth chart. Let me ask you this before we get to the timeout in the halftime, Mike. Uh, Jade Barron, uh, Rod Babers and I on the morning show here in Austin have had talks that there is an opportunity maybe for Jade Barron if he's not sure where his draft status is, if he's a you know, third, fourth, fifth round pick kind of thing, could come back along with Andrew Makuba and really anchor this secondary, show that he can play safety, show versatility, you know, lead this team next year. Is there, from what you're hearing, he's a local product from Pflugerville. What's your thought on, on uh, maybe uh, Jade Barron coming back for another year at Texas? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? I think with NIL, the choice is no longer go get paid or come back to school. You can do a little bit of both. And so you can be a little bit more selective. A couple of years ago, you get that third round grade, and that maybe is going to be as big as it's going to get. You go and you got to take it, right? Start your clock, try to get towards that second contract. Uh, But if he can make some change, come back and then drive up that draft stock, then good. I think if you're one of those kind of third to sixth round draft grade guys, I think the question you got to ask is, what would it take to raise my draft stock? Like, even if I come back and I play all conference SEC level, are the things that are keeping Jade Barron from being a first or second round grade still existent? Like, is he still not fast enough to get up to that level? Is he still not speed uh, big enough to get up to that type of level? Those are the questions that I'd imagine he's starting to figure out or asking or, or, or getting graded on uh, behind the scenes. And if they do tell him, hey, if you come back and if you do these two, three things, you can get into that first 60, first 70 uh, draft grade, then maybe you do come back. But if not, I think if you're him, you've done you've done about everything you can at Texas. And so it just comes down to what the NFL scouts are telling you, and you weigh that against the NIL and what your opportunities are there. No, I think you're right about that. And, uh, you know, Andrew McCoub is a friend of his, right? And he went to Pflugerville. Andrew went to uh, Austin LBJ, not far apart. And uh, those two really could anchor a secondary next year if they were both back with Michael Taff and Derek Williams in the back end with uh, Manny Muhammad and Terrence Brooks on the corners, you know, that could be a much improved secondary. I know it's a lot of new faces, but man, that can be a versatile, you know, interchangeable kind of thing in the back end with the improvement of Derek Williams. They're also adding Xavier Phil Simi, the five-star safety out of uh, McKinney, who they like a lot. They're also adding uh, Kobe Black, the five-star corner out of Waco. So this, you can see where they're going with this secondary. They really want to be, more versatile, and that goes to the uh, Derek, the Dwayne Aquina conversation back in the day when they had cross-trained corner safeties, everybody could play everywhere kind of thing. I think that's where they're going. Nolan, you had a point? Yeah, I took a look at it last night, and we have six three-star plus. One of them is a three-star. Everything, everybody else, three-star plus DBs coming in through transfer portal or recruiting. So 
that'll tell you what they're targeting now. Well, look, they have eight. They have eight DBs that are in the portal or in the draft, <laughs> and they have six new ones coming in at this point. So it's it's a total changeover. And I think it's the final thought for Pete Wachowski, Mike. Remember when Pete Wachowski was at Washington when he came in, he was famous for running the two-four-five defense. You know, where he had two big defensive tackles, two big stout DTs, and then he had you know four linebackers on the field. But the linebackers were traditional linebackers, but also edge players, right? They were they were hybrid edge rushers kind of thing, you know, pinch the edge, kind of that Ethan Burke, Colin Simmons, Trey Moore kind of thing with the big dudes up front, think Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. And then, you know, the linebackers play in the traditional. Then you have five defensive backs. And he wants those guys to be cross-trained and be able to, you know, play a lot of different positions. You can see where it's going. And it's fair to say that going into year four, this is the last stage of roster construction for Texas. They're, you know, they built the offensive line. They built quarterback room. They're trying to rebuild now the wide receiver room. Running back room is built. Linebackers were heavy last year in the recruiting ranks. And now, you know, defensive line. Now it's about the defense and what you can see them doing, Mike, in the portal and in, in high school recruiting. Coverage players in the back end that are super athletic. Size and coverage in the back end. And pass rushers. Pass rushers up front. Guys that can get to the quarterback. You saw Michigan last night. Texas couldn't do it against Michael Penix. You got to have guys like Trey Moore and Ethan Burke and Colton Vosick and Colin Simmons uh, and Baron Sorrells and guys that can harass the quarterback, uh, but also play some coverage when you need them to and be a, a multi, uh, you know, multi front defense that can can confuse people. You see where they're going on the defensive side of the ball. It's a lot easier to play secondary when the quarterback's got to get the ball out in 2.5 seconds opposed to 3.5 or, or more, right? And, and against Washington, Texas didn't create anything. You go and look at the PFF numbers uh, for Sorrell and Burke and the edge players. Uh, the Longhorns were dominated on the edge, and that put their secondary at risk. It was either Byron Murphy get home or nobody's going to get home. Nobody got home, and, and Washington was able to do what they wanted to do. I think the other point is when you when you started to kind of list in the guys that are going to be in the secondary next year, uh, Muhammad, uh, Makuba, uh, Brooks, like if you line those guys up in a race against the guys who were lined up this year for Texas secondary in a race, the new yeah. guys are winning every single time, right? Like they're going to get faster on the back end and they're going to have to play in the offenses and playing against the athletes that are in the SEC week in, week out. They're going to see what they saw against Washington almost every single week on the athletic side, right? Like it's not just going to be OU. Uh, in terms of being able to match athlete to athlete for Texas, that's going to be a weekly occurrence uh, for the Longhorns in the SEC. So they had to get more athletic on the back end. Um, they're going to do that. They're going to need to do that, or they are going to do that. The next step, though, is are they, they're not going to be as experienced. And so some of those guys are going to cut their teeth against some really, really good football players. They were able to do that a little bit this year, um, but that's going to be the question mark is, is this that they're getting more athletic. They're going to get a little bit more inexperienced, though. 100%, 100%. In the, in the secondary, and um, Andrew Makuba, and if Jade Barron were to come back, that'd be huge. And Terrence Brooks and Manny Muhammad got a lot of experience this year. Derek Williams got a lot of experience. Michael Taff is a uh, assignment sound player in that back end. But you're right. They had athletic athleticism issues in the back end with guys like Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford, and this coverage was not good. Texas, you know, teams attacked that without a – Ryan Watts, who's going off to the NFL, he's another guy that teams would attack because the foot speed just wasn't – what you what you need to have when you're playing Washington and you know it's a step up in class just like the SEC is one other note and then we'll get the timeout Alfred Collins did announce he's coming back which is big out of Bastrop Cedar Creek that's huge up front where you're gonna replace Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat I mean gosh I mean on the heels of Moro Ojimo and Keandre Coburn all those four will be playing in the, in the NFL 
starting next year. Uh, so it's Alfred Collins, as we mentioned, Trill Carter transferred, which was a kind of a blow, but they're in the transfer portal. Someone we're going to tell you about in our third quarter. Uh, also, uh, Sadir Mitchell is a young guy they're hoping comes along. Uh, these young players, it's going to be a younger team next year, without a doubt. It'll be veteran on the offensive line and a quarterback and a running back, Mike. Um, but it's going to be inexperienced at receiver, defensive back, defensive tackle uh, as we start looking forward to the offseason. All right, uh, we'll get to our, our, our halftime segment here coming up. Do you want to tell you our second quarter? Always brought to you uh, by the tremendous scratch comfort food and amazing experience every time at Hayes City Store and the Ice House there in Driftwood, Texas, uh, right on the, on the edge of the Texas Hill Country there between Kyle and Wimberley. It's a beautiful drive out there. If you've not been out there, whichever way you're coming from, from Dripping or Wimberley or, or San Marcos or Austin, Hayes City Store ready to serve you and your family every day of the week. They're the total package for a destination location, hanging out, watching games here through the NFL playoffs. Uh, the Scratch Texas comfort food is amazing, whether you're eating the chicken fried steak or the uh, wood-fired pizzas that they do out of their pizza oven. Uh, gosh, the uh, truck stop enchiladas. They've got 52 beers on tap in the ice house and inside under the canopy of gorgeous oak trees in the Hill Country. Live music on their stage six nights a week. It is absolutely a great place. Uh, check them out. Also, T Travis and Tamara Tyndall, who are great partners of ours. They have also opened a new restaurant. Their restaurant tours. They've been in it their whole lives. Uh, in addition to Hay City Store, which has been open now for nine years. They've opened Taste on Main in downtown Buda, Texas, right on Main Street. It's in a 100-year-old historic building in charming downtown Buda. It's a steakhouse with seafood, a little higher end, but still a casual, relaxed Buda feel to it. You're absolutely going to love Taste on Main. A uh, great spot for a birthday, an anniversary, a celebration of any kind, or just a night out. Uh, Hayes City Store or Taste on Main, they bring you the second quarter. All right, time for our halftime segment between our four quarters of fun here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast, powered by Grande Equipment. Uh, it, it is delivered by uh, our halftime segment by our friends at One Source Gas, your one-stop shop in Central Texas for all gas products. One Source Gas is your Texas compressed gas leader. Nolan Hogan, the uh, NFL Longhorn, season over for 18 teams in the NFL. Season continues for 14 others. How did uh, the Longhorns wrap up in week 18 or week 18 this past Sunday? Yeah, uh, week 18 was great. I'm going to go through a few week 17 standouts because they we missed those, but there's just a few that stood out to me. Little Jordan Humphrey against the Chargers for the Denver Broncos. How did I forget their name? Denver Broncos, two receptions, one touchdown for 69 yards. Pretty good day. Cameron Dicker had was three for four on field goals with nine points. Charles Amenahu had five tackles, three solo, half a sack, a TFL, and a QB hit. In the in their in the Kansas City game against the Cincinnati Bengals last week, moving on to Week 18, Justin Tucker started off Saturday against the games one for one on field goals, one for one on extra points, four points on the day. Uh, same day, Saturday night game, Houston versus India Indianapolis. What a day, what a game! Uh, Andrew Beck scored himself a touchdown on a receiving. Yes, touchdown. sir. Stroud. Uh, I was proud of that one. I was I was jumping up and down. Uh, <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals, Joseph Osai versus the Cleveland Browns. Uh, three tackles, one solo, one TFL, one pass breakup, and two QB hits. He was all over the backfield against the Browns. Uh, Brendan Schooler, a special teams hero, one solo tackle. Atlanta, uh, Bijan Robinson for the Atlanta Falcons in that loss to New Orleans. Had 11 carries, 28 yards, and seven receptions for 103 yards with a touchdown. And I still think he was underutilized. 
I think you're right. That's why the coach got fired at 12.01 on Monday morning. <laughs> they waited until the uh, season was officially over and fired the guy. Arthur Smith is out. Bijan will have a new coach next year. So I'm wondering if that could be Jim Harbaugh, by the way, that uh, Arthur I mean, Blank, if he's going to go here and fire Arthur Smith, that uh, maybe he's shooting, aiming high as far as that goes. He doesn't want to hire a, a coordinator. Uh, to, to, he wants to maybe make a run at Jim Harbaugh uh, as far as a big fish. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, anything else, Nolan? Yeah, same game. A lot of Longhorns this weekend. Uh, same game, Taquan Graham had two tackles for the Atlanta Falcons. Rashawn Johnson for the Bears against the, the Green Bay Packers had five carries for 20 yards, being their third down back, being solid on that team. Uh, P.J. Locke for the Denver Broncos versus the Las Vegas. I had four tackles, two solo. Moore Ojimo got himself some playing time versus the New York Giants this week. Two tackles, one solo. Seattle, Quandre Diggs, another solid week, six tackles, five of them being solo. Charles Amenahu, two weeks in a row, living in the backfield, two solo tackles, a sack, another QB hit, and a forced fumble that was returned 95 yards to the end zone. Um, not by him, by safety. Uh, <laughs> back to Cameron Dicker from the Chargers against the Chiefs, was four for four on field goals with 12 points. That means Cameron Dicker in the last two games scored all of the uh, Chargers points the last two weeks. New coach there too, and that could be Jim Harbaugh as well. The, the LA Chargers, we'll see. And to finish out the weekend, Deshaun Elliott on primetime Sunday night football had 10 tackles, six solo, a pass breakup, and an interception at the safety position. Pretty cool, Mike, to see these guys. A lot of these guys you covered uh, when you were doing the high school beat for the Statesman. It's pretty neat to see them. Longhorns are, as we just talked about in our second quarter, about to have, you know, eight, ten guys into the NFL from this year's class. Uh, pretty cool to see these guys fulfill a lifelong dream and, you know, play professional football. Yeah, no doubt. It uh, shows why I have so many white hairs. I can't even say gray anymore. It's <laughs> becoming white. I The Cam Dicker thing is tremendous to me. Like, he moved over here. Like, he, he spent most of his childhood or a lot of his childhood in Singapore. He didn't really play football at all until he got to Lake Travis. I was on the sideline one time. Uh, they were winning like 80 by 80 points at Lake Travis, like they normally did. Somehow a safety had happened. And I remember him asking me, are you allowed to onside after a safety? Like he didn't really know the rules of, <laughs> of the game of football uh, to kind of see his personality uh, shine through in that commercial for the pro bowl was tremendous. And so, yeah, it's cool seeing Joseph Osai is another one, right. Who didn't watch his first football game until he was like 10 years old, watched a, a Pittsburgh Steelers game with his uncle uh, and grew up had playing soccer. And so, uh, it's cool to see those guys kind of flourish, uh, make a lot of money, and, and play on Sunday. This is the time I get to start watching some NFL football. I've watched about four maybe minutes of NFL football uh, before now, so I'll I'll get to lock in for the playoffs. I'm like I'm that guy who like doesn't watch the NBA until the playoffs. That's me with uh, NFL football. Well, you can't. You're so busy, and uh, I don't, I don't uh, we'll talk coming up. How did the uh, the 13 sites in 13 weeks go? The coffee table book in 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 uh, in full measure now here for the spring into the summer. Yep, that's uh, that is what my January and February are going to be. I'm trying to get most of the copy done by the end of February because, believe it or not, as soon as March comes around, we start building the the magazine for next year. So that that is what my next kind of six weeks are going to be. It's getting into the coffee table book. I got the first chapter done, um, and so we're uh, we're rocking and rolling there. And for folks who are new to that, hopefully you've listened and been a part of the Eyes on Texas Multicast since episode one. We're now in episode thirty six. Uh, Mike uh, did a really cool thing. There are 13 Division One programs in the state of Texas that Dave Campbell's Texas football covers, and you took in a game at each of the 13. 
during the 13 weeks of the college football season. Uh, well planned and well strategized. And now you're going to have a coffee table book coming out to celebrate football at the college level, at the highest level in the great state. Uh, pretty good stuff. I'd also say another player that uh, jumps out that, uh, you know, was, was a late to football that we just talked about was Christian Jones. Mm-hmm. Christian Jones, who's going to be in the NFL. Uh, the, his story down in Houston, the Cypress area, pretty cool too. You know, for people, you see Christian Jones, he's this huge right tackle. He's like a soccer player for most of his career and just kept growing and uh, ended up, you know, learning to play football after like the 10th grade. So NFL teams are going to look at him and say, you know, he's still learning how to play this game of football. We're going to jump on that guy. Yeah. And one of the better personalities you'll find, like he's going to kill it in NFL like meetings. You want that guy to be a part of your locker room. Um, Yeah. I think his best football is ahead of him. And I would say that too, for our our audience about these guys that, you know, the the cool thing for Texas with the draft coming up and we always highlight the NFL players, Longhorns are about to put a slew of guys in Uh, the fact that they could set a record uh, with eight players drafted as many as, and maybe more, and I think there's as many as seven or eight, Mike, that could be the first 100, 125 picks in the draft. You know, that's the first four rounds, essentially, first four, three and a half, four rounds. I mean, whether you're talking about Jonathan Brooks, who's Mel Kuyper's number one running back before his injury, but he still will carry a pretty good grade because I think he'll be ready by training camp. Uh, Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Jalen Ford. I mean, these guys aren't just draft picks. These guys are first three-day draft, three-round draft picks. That's That tells you the development that's happening for Steve Sarkeesian and this Texas staff. This is why you're excited about the trajectory of the program because, Mike, they're not just developing five stars. They're developing three stars into draft picks. They're developing the five stars like, you know, JT Sanders. Xavier Worthy was a high four-star player. Those guys are getting developed into what they're supposed to be. But then guys like Jalen Ford was the lowest-rated player in his class. And now he's going to have a chance to be a first – 100-pick player into the NFL linebacker, which is not a premium position in the NFL. That just speaks volumes of what this staff is doing to develop players, and it's what's making them so effective on the recruiting trail. With that who's in mind, going to be, up, uh, sorry, who's going to be the best NFL pro- NFL player out of those guys you listed? Who you I'm on record play? saying the highest ceiling player they have is JT Sanders. And I think JT Sanders, who also is just learning to play tight end, Mike, and I want your thoughts on that. Uh, and if you agree with what I'm saying, he is – he just took to tight end, right? He didn't play tight end in high school at Denton. He played receiver and rusher. Where he's an athlete, and he he took to the coaching. He took essentially that red shirt year, and he's really only played two years of tight end. The way I see NFL teams using tight ends these days, uh, I think somebody's going to grab that guy in the late second or third round and say, you know what, two three years from now we're going to have a George Kittle, Travis Kelsey kind of player here. Yeah, I mean, he he was a wideout playing defensive end. He was a five-star because of his defensive end and just those one-handed catches, right? Like, I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a defensive end. He goes and basically takes a redshirt year and is on field goal kicking unit, right, and, and learns how to play the position, really gets in there with Jeff Banks. I'm going to go with Byron Murphy. Uh, maybe it's just because Aaron Donald is like the most dominant defensive player of the last 10 or 15 years, but that's who Byron Murphy reminds me of. Just that – that kind of uh, physique, that kind of height and speed, just his athleticism. He can play in a 4-3. He can play in a 3-4. I think he's going to be the, uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball, I think he's going to have the, the best NFL career out of those guys. I love that pick, too. I mean, because you can't teach the motor. Yes. And you can't teach the leverage and the will and the the strength. Yeah, you're right about power. that. And I can't wait. And on, on coming episodes of the EOT, We'll cover the Senior Bowl because that's coming up. There are you know, several Longhorns going to the Senior Bowl, including Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat and Jalen Ford. 
so we'll, we'll follow that into that uh, all-star game coming up uh, right around the Super Bowl time. I think it's the week between the uh, the championship Sunday and then the Super Bowl. So we'll cover that for you, of course, here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast. Halftime. Thank you, Nolan. Appreciate that. Great stuff, as always, in our halftime brought to you by One Source Gas. One Source Gas uh, provides compressed gas needs such as CO2, nitrogen, oxygen, propane, many more uh, for various industries here in the great state. Uh, and One Source Gas is your lead CO2 provider for the service and hospitality industry, also servicing the medical industry as well, uh, the industrial industry, and many more. Uh, so if you have those needs, there's a reason that one source and my buddy Richard Strever and his team who have been in operation for 12 years are growing market share like they are. They're taking market share because they do it better. Uh, they're more reliable. They're more on time because, uh, as you know, if you're a bar owner, a restaurant owner in the veterinary or medical field, if you don't have the compressed gas you need, you can't operate. Now, that's a problem. And Richard and his team understand that. Uh, their exceptional customer service is the key to their success and their growth, uh, providing products to help run your business. They understand how important and vital they are. So if you're a bar owner, restaurant owner, dental office, veterinary clinic, or a business that has compressed gas needs on the daily or the weekly or whatever your schedule is, uh, you're looking for the new or the best CO2 or compressed gas provider, visit their website at onesourcegasatx.com. That's one with the number, not the number one, but the, the spell it out, O-N-E, O-N-E, onesourcegasatx.com. Or call Richard and his team at 512-214-8484. And one of their staff members will be glad to help you with your compressed gas needs. And that's going to lead us into our third quarter, presented by Brain Vault and the Brain Vault technology. Brain Vault is much more than a mouthpiece. It's an orthotic. It's uh, a mouth guard proven for young athletes to play hard but play safe by minimizing the risk of concussions. And we'll tell you more about the Brain Vault technology and how you can get fitted and your young athlete fitted coming up. But, uh, Mike, pretty safe as far as the roster overhaul or the roster transition, as we'll call it. As you say, not reload but uh, or rebuild, but reload. Longhorns coaching staff remains in hot pursuit of several more transfer portal additions. In addition to the three immediate starters or likely immediate starters they've already brought in, Andrew McCuba, Trey Moore, and Matthew Golden, who we've already talked about. But the staff remains on 10 on adding several more, including a player who's going to be coming in this weekend, uh, former Oregon State wide receiver Silas Bolden, is scheduled to, to visit the 40 acres next weekend. Uh, if you look at him, he's kind of a, he's a water bug, 5'9", maybe 5'8", 5 5'9", 5 160 pounds, but elite speed, uh, you know, small but super fast and quick, 54 receptions, 746 yards, and five touchdowns for the Beavers in 2023. He also can return punts, had a punt return for a touchdown last year. Silas Bolden is a name to watch. Also in the wide receiver realm, uh, as the Longhorns are, you know, losing five or six of their top pass catchers, either to the draft or the portal. Uh, this past weekend, Texas hosted Liberty wide receiver C.J. Daniels. Uh, the wide receiver is a bigger body player. He's six foot, 220, 200 pounds, uh, ranked number 22 in the nation in receiving yards this season on that Liberty team. Had almost 1,100 yards receivings and 10 touchdowns, 21 yards per catch. Has experience as a, a graduate player. Uh, so safe to say at the receiver position, Mike, they need players. Uh, everyone, you know, Matthew Golden's the most experienced player they have coming back. They have the Jonte Cooks, DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblett players. But at the same time, you know, it's not, it wouldn't be beyond Texas to add both if they could, Silas Bolden and uh, CJ Daniels, if they could get them both to commit to Texas. Yeah, I was going, I was making that too deep on the Excel sheet earlier. And you, you're right. I mean, when you look at catches for Texas, I mean, they, they're not going to return 20. Um, you know, Jonte Cook, Matthew Golden, DeAndre Moore, Aaron Butler, Ryan Niblett, you know, you had Ryan Wingo um, through recruiting. That's probably your two deep on paper right now. 
Uh, none of those guys have been lead receivers for Texas. None of those guys have played starting minutes for Texas, right? And so uh, Matthew Golden is going to be a really good player. He's not going to be the guy that comes in and catches 80 passes for 1,500 yards and, and a couple touchdowns. Like from what I know from his tenure at Houston, he enjoyed being part of the solution at wide receiver. He didn't want to be the guy at wide receiver. Sam Brown ended up being kind of the lead receiver for the Cougars for most of this year. And so uh, I think Jonte Cook is probably my my initial guess to be kind of the, the Xavier Worthy lead receiver for this team. But as we saw last year, this Texas offense works the best when they have multiple weapons out there that Quinn Ewers can go and get. The more bodies you can put in there, the more guys with experience and, and catches that you can put in there, uh, the better. The better. Yeah, so you know, Liberty's wide receiver, C.J. Daniels, I did see we're on three sports, kind of crystal balled him to Texas. Well, we'll see. Um, you know, Oregon is in pursuit and others, and uh, same with the Oregon State kid who will be there this weekend. Wouldn't be beyond Texas to bring both of those guys. Also a guy you're familiar with, Mike Houston, defensive lineman Jamari Caldwell, uh, was in Austin this past weekend along with C.J. Daniels. He's a, a 6'1", 325-pound defensive tackle. Uh, could help mi mitigate the loss of Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, and Trill Carter. Uh, to the portal in the draft he's uh you know big time player he had two sacks against texas down in houston in that game in october that the longhorns survived uh what do you make of jamari caldwell he could be a guy that could be a immediate impact player in that defensive tackle rotation yeah more byron murphy than tavondre sweat not six four not six five right now just going to dominate you with size but is a pretty good pass rusher uh can make a lot of plays in the backfield gets into the backfield a disruptor uh, that's what Kwiatkowski wants. That's what they need to replace on that defensive side of the ball. All right, so those are uh, two receivers in the tackle. Also for the Longhorns, they're interested in Kendrick Blackshear, uh, an Alabama linebacker who entered the portal just recently after Alabama lost in the Rose Bowl to uh, the eventual national champions from Michigan. He's from Duncanville, Texas, 2021 recruiting class. Uh, Kendrick Blackshear uh, signed with Alabama, had over 30 offers, consensus four-star prospect back in that recruiting class of 2021. He is into the portal, and apparently Longhorns are planning to have him on campus. What do you know of Blackshear out of Duncanville, Mike? One of the more physical freak specimens you will ever see. I encourage anybody listening to this to go Google Kendall Blackshear, like photos when he was at Duncanville, like an absolute chiseled, just physical. <laughs> just One of those dudes that's going to be on the Bruce Feldman kind of super freaks list. That was that was Kendall Blackshear in high school. He did he looked like Debo, like he really did look like a man playing against boys when he was at Duncan. Wow, well that'd be interesting. So we'll watch those. Those are four prospects. The Longhorns are still in on and heavy in on two receivers, a tackle and a linebacker, and we'll see where this goes uh, into uh, the first part of January. And of course, uh, around the corner. Longhorn players will report and Mike it's going to be as we get into next week's episode of the eyes on Texas uh, when they start getting back coming back to practice and I think the early like the 20th or 21st is their first winter workout as uh, classes resume uh, there could be as many as 25 26 new players uh, you know you're losing 10 11 12 to the draft and uh, just attrition maybe 13 or 14 you're losing you know 13 as we talked about into the portal well and that's 27 28 players well you're bringing in 24, 25, 26 new players, uh, and then young guys develop. But it is amazing to have this many. Uh, the portal players are immediate impact guys that get here for the winter. But at the same time, the uh, the, the early enrollees on the high school side, the Colin Simmons, uh, gosh, as many as 18 or 19 of the high school players, 20 that will be rolling in here uh, in January. So exciting to watch that. And we'll keep you posted here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast. That's going to be your third quarter. It's uh, Any thoughts on that, Mike? The early enrollees or any other thoughts? 
Good. No, I mean, it, it is a, it's been amazing. Like when I first started doing recruiting, there was maybe three or four early enrollees. And a lot of times it was just like a quarterback to come in and learn the offense. Now it almost feels like a prerequisite to be a, a top end college football prospect. You're going to enroll early because with that attrition you were talking about, you want to play, you need to play. The coaches need you to play. The players want to play. If you come in over the summer, you better be Kelvin Banks, right? You better be Xavier Worthy. You better be somebody who is just incredibly athletic. If not coming in in that spring, I mean, it just gives you it, it makes you a sophomore, basically, by the time that first season rolls around in terms of just where you're at. You know where your classes are. You've lost your ID a few times. You understand what the weight room is like. You you kind of get those those headaches out of the way in that spring semester. You can hit the ground rolling your first year. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, and yeah, understand college mentally uh, and, uh, you know, summer all all summer long. And then come the fall, it's almost old hat already. Uh, you just haven't played any games yet at that level. And this year it's the SEC and it's Michigan week two. That's going to wrap up our third quarter uh, and appreciate and tell you about our friends at uh, the Brain Vault Technology. Our man, uh, Dr. Greg Eckert, his partner, Drew uh, Pittman with the Brain Vault Technology. It's amazing technology, folks. It really is. It's one of those things. It's a no brainer because it helps your brain. And it really does. And Dr. Eckert, they just want to get the word out uh, and the awareness because it's available. It's the Brain Vault Technology revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussions. They have not been uh, uh, too fast with this, folks. You know, they've taken their time. Drew Pittman, the agent in the NFL, who's Dr. Greg Eckert's partner on this. Uh, for eight years, his players have been wearing the Brain Vault technology in the NFL with no concussions reported. Uh, this is what this is about. They really wanted to test this out, make sure the technology of the orthotic that uh, is kind of like the shock absorber for your mouth and your jawline uh, works. It's backed by science. It's research-based, but it's also based and, and proven on the football field at the very highest levels. And now Dr. Eckert and Drew have taken this to retail to where your young athlete can play hard but play safe with the Brain Vault technology. It's a, it's a mouth guard that optimally aligns the lower jaw in a position that strengthens the neck muscles and minimizes concussive forces. Uh, it's proven to work and research-based, aligns that lower jaw in a position that the head and neck allows maximum force during the contact. Uh, and that shear, that contact is where you want the, uh, the absorption of the energy of the contact. And that's what the mouth guard does and when it is perfectly aligned to your jawline and puts your line and your neck muscles in the proper position, that's what Brain Vault does. And if you learn, want to learn more, please do go to the website, brainvault.com. If you have a young athlete who is participating currently or will be in a contact sport like football, like lacrosse, like rugby, like cheerleading, like soccer, whatever that sport's going to be, go to brainvault.com. You can learn about it. They have a, a tab there right at the front page, top of the top of the fold there. What is Brain Vault? You can read all about the research and why it works and how it works. Also schedule a fitting for an individual or a group, your entire team. There's entire high school teams, uh, cheerleading teams, volleyball teams here in Central Texas and throughout the great state who have been fitted. They're all fitted for it so they can wear their Brain Vault technology. And you can too. It is, again, the uh, revolutionary patented mouth guard proven to help reduce the risk of concussions at brainvault.com. They brought you the third quarter. All right, into the fourth. And, Mike, one of the things we're going to do here moving forward as we transition into the offseason of football, uh, we always do our final four conversations around college football, but also college basketball with the Longhorns. They're off to a, uh, an 11-3 and start for Rodney Terry. They lost their Big 12 Conference opener this past Saturday night to Texas Tech, and it was a uh, – not an auspicious performance is the way I would put it, but uh, uh, into our fourth quarter brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert and his dentistry. What do you make of uh, Longhorn basketball so far through the first two months of the season? 
Yeah, I mean, basketball, you know, the way it's set up with March Madness, right? You just get in the dance and then you can figure stuff out there. So the, that that first part of the season doesn't mean as much, right, as it does during during football season, obviously. Getting Dylan DeSue back and getting him healthy is going to be a big deal. I wonder what the starting lineup is going to look like down the stretch. You'd imagine, or at least I'd imagine, DeSue gets inserted in there, Brock Cunningham may in, may end up being like the six man glorified six man down the stretch. They just they they got out coached against Texas Tech. They got out they got out hustled, they got out played. Kind of got punked uh in in my opinion there in Austin. They're going to have to step up their intensity level um, and that front court's going to have to figure it out going forward cuz that that wasn't good enough. They let they let the guards get in there and, and really bully them a little bit. Agreed. Agreed and uh uh, you know, my concern with Texas from the beginning, and let's say, let's just be fair to Rodney Terry. Uh, this is a brand new team. It's a brand new roster. So time and, and chemistry is going to be a challenge. And you throw on to the fact that, that probably their best overall player is Dylan DeSue, the kid out of Pflugerville. And he was not healthy for the, you know, any of the offseason and for the first month and a half of the year. So transitioning him back into this offense is going to come with challenges. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. He and Caden Shedrick, the Virginia transfer, are the big guys up front. Uh, Max Asmus, the sharpshooter, along with uh, the returning Tyrese Hunter in your backcourt. Dylan Mitchell, he's a key figure, but, man, he makes it kind of awkward because he can't shoot, Mike. Yeah. And Dylan Mitchell can't shoot the ball. So when he's on the floor with two bigs or one big, it's hard to space the floor because teams will just not honor Dylan Mitchell's shooting. Uh, so in this day and age of basketball where you spread the floor and shoot the basketball, that makes it a challenge. But, again, my biggest concern for Texas basketball is defense. And it has been since I saw the roster built. They're just small in the backcourt. Uh, and if you saw the Texas Tech game the other night, you can want to be a good defender. But when you're small like Mac, Max Asmus and Tyrese Hunter, you know, the, the guards for Texas Tech, uh, you know, Pop Isaacs and uh, the other kid, they got whatever they wanted. Uh, Tech shot over 50% from the field for the for the game, uh, almost 50% from the three-point line. Anytime Texas at home with their, their – as you said, they need to bring the intensity. Every time they tried to, the crowd would get behind them. They'd get kind of back in it and then – they couldn't get stops. They couldn't stop Texas Tech, and they'd go on a 5-0 run. And next thing you know, you're back down seven or nine, and that's going to be my challenge. And that's what I saw. So if you haven't, if you've been so intently focused on Texas football, and you've kind of not really been watching Texas basketball, the problem is um, they're 11 and three, but the 11 wins have not really come against quality opponents. The best opponent they've beaten is LSU in the non-con. Uh, the three really quality opponents they've played, they've, as you said, got punked. Uh, they got punked by UConn. They got punked by Marquette at Marquette with Shaka Smart. And then Texas Tech beat them. Uh, they're playing Cincinnati here as we record this show right now, uh, this episode, episode 36 of the Eyes on Texas. Uh, and the Big 12, Mike, doesn't let up. I mean, there is mm -hmm. no gimme, even as you add you know, Houston's into the conference. They're the number two team in the country to go with Baylor and Kansas and Arizona, and, uh, Arizona coming in. But Texas won't deal with that. But Cincinnati is a, a basketball, traditional, really good program who they're playing tonight. This is the challenge for Rodney Terry. And, uh, of course, you know, he took over and did a great job for Chris Beard last year. Uh, but that was a, a roster built by Chris Beard along with Rodney Terry. This team has to come together. But as you pointed out very right, as far as the uh, optimism, it's a long season. Uh, as you try to get Dylan to sue more in, in, in inserted into this lineup, you got to figure things out. But uh, this, this Big 12 really doesn't let up on you. The roster construction feels weird to me. Right. Like, you know, I know they lost a, a couple of five star guys, like a couple of high end recruits that they thought were going to be Ron part of this Holland. team. Ron Holland went to the G League. Right. And so, like, I know that kind of threw it off a little bit, but in college basketball, this is a guard sport. 
Like you can be like you want to have big guys, you want to be able to rebound. Like I, I get basketball uh, theoretically and, and stereotypically as a as a big man sport, but not in college. In college, it is about your guards. And right now, Texas's guards, uh, like you said, are not good enough defensively. They even if they score thirty points, they're going to give up thirty points. And so, uh, if you're if you're Rodney Terry, I don't know exactly what the adjustments are, uh, but that backcourt in this Big Twelve with with the teams that they're going to play at Baylor and Houston Tech again on the road, uh, it's going to be tough for them. They're going to have to win these games in the eighties, in the nineties, uh, which feels different than the team. Chris Beard was putting together and and coaching previous to that, right? Like when I would go to Moody during the early Beard stuff, it was like high intensity, high defense, kind of slower, going to win in the 60s, going to win in the 70s type basketball. All of a sudden, this is a team that's going to have to score a lot of points with a roster that's not a ton of shooters. They have one or two shooters. I don't know how that's going to work long term. They're going to be in a battle to get into the tournament and to be a mid-tier team in the Big 12 unless that changes. But... Tech has always had, at least recently, had a lot of success in Austin. So maybe that's just a one-off that, you know, Tech having their number. But the way that Tech beat Texas in Texas just made me kind of have alarm bells go off on, you know, this year isn't going to be as rosy as maybe last year was. No, I agree. I mean, last year there were a couple plays and a bad 10 minutes from the Final Four. And that, that that was a roster built over two seasons by Chris Beard and Rodney Terry. Uh, let's be fair about that. The year before, they made the tournament, but they weren't a great team. It was a two-year build when they took over and completely rebuilt the roster. And obviously, as you said, Chris Beard was big on stops. I mean, his his mantra was defense. He's the old Bob Knight disciple that we'll get our points, we'll find a way to manufacture points, but uh, kind of the, uh, the positionless basketball mindset and stops, defensive stops in a big way, and then guard play or someone who can create their own shot on the other end. Rodney Terry wants to – I'll say this for Rodney. I've known Rodney a long time. I went to St. Edwards. I was getting to St. Edwards right after Rodney was graduating as a basketball player there. You know, he's always been a defensive coach. I mean, he really has. He stresses defense, but he wants to play a little bit more up-tempo. He wants defense to lead to offense. They want to get up and down the floor a little more. But that's going to be my biggest concern for them is the defensive end because I think they'll get the offense right. I think they'll figure out Max Aceman can score – with anybody. I mean, he can put up 20 a night. Tyrese Hunter, they're going to I think scoring will be okay, especially as they get more Dylan to sue more, uh, you know, adept. But uh, the Dylan Mitchell thing kind of worries me because he can't shoot, but he's got to be on the floor for his athleticism. Um, but I don't think we've seen the best of this team. And I certainly agree with you that that first game against Texas Tech kind of took gave you pause that, OK, yeah. what are we doing here? Where are we going? Because Texas Tech not is not seen to be a great team. Uh, they've got a brand new coach who came in from North Texas and Grant McCaslin. Uh, they won the NIT last year at North Texas, but uh, uh, they've got a lot of growth to be, you know. Uh, I remember when, when Chris Beard, his first year, uh, he kept telling us that uh, our biggest challenge is time. Like, how quickly can we come together chemistry-wise? We're all new. Like, we're brand new together. Uh, we only get so many minutes a week on the on the practice floor. How can we come together? How quickly can we do that? And that team ended up making the tournament. And then the following year was last year when they went to the Final Four, even without Chris Beard, uh, when it mattered most. So you'll wonder about this team, too. But uh, well said. And we will follow Texas basketball on the eyes on Texas as well. Mike, any other big stories uh, percolating for you in college football uh, that that stand out to you? I did see where Quinshawn Judkins, the uh, Ole Miss running back, who was so productive, transferring out of Ole Miss. He's going to Ohio State. That was a big story development here in the last couple of days. Buckeyes are losing Travion Henderson to the NFL. That's a big get for the Buckeyes. Anything else standing out for you as far as the NFL, or excuse me, college football and where we're going? 
Yeah, right now it's just trying to get a handle of who's still out of school and who's, you know, going to the NFL, who's going to the transfer portal. For me, it's been interesting to watch kind of the Mike Elko build at, at Texas A&M. And, you know, obviously that's going to be more and more important for Longhorn fans, not just for Twitter banter, but they're going to play each other, uh, you know, after after Thanksgiving next year. Uh, 22 transfer portal additions so far for Mike Elko. I'd imagine that number you know, grows towards 30 by the spring or at least over the summer. Remember, there's a whole nother transfer portal window that's going to happen after spring football uh, going into the summer. So uh, I think that they're building kind of a, it's not a lot of stars, you know, Will Lee, Nick Scarton, like not not the big name guys that maybe um, are coming into Texas with uh, Matthew Goldner or Andrew Makuba, uh, but a lot of really good football players, a lot of depth, a lot of guys at positions of need. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how the Aggies go ahead, go about building that that first roster. All right, well said. And I'll wrap up with this. Let's uh, say goodbye to the four-team playoff, Mike. As it's over now, that's it. Uh, it's the 12-team playoff now. Uh, I think this year is going to be very eventful with all of the new conference realignment coming into play in Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC, four new schools into the Big Ten, um, the the complete you know realignment of the Big 12 with the four-corner schools, the ACC adding SMU and the others. I mean, there's so much happening in, into 2024, and we're now into a 12-team playoff, which I know you're not a huge fan of. Uh, it's going to be fun to cover it. It's going to come with challenges. I wonder what one of the things I do wonder now that what I think the heavy lifting of conference realignment and consolidation, as Brett Yormark calls it, is over. Uh, we kind of know where everybody's going to be. Uh, and the TV networks are settling in where ESPN takes over the SEC contract. Fox is coming in big on the Big Ten. Uh, that all comes into play here in 2024, the summer of. Uh, do do the do the networks and the big heads of college, you know, the, the four big power conferences get together and start really putting some teeth into some guardrails uh, into everything that's going on. I mean, I can't imagine, Mike, if we're doing this or when we're doing this next December, that there is a transfer portal that opens in early December during a 12-team playoff. I mean, I can't imagine that that's going to be allowed to happen. I mean, I, I just don't. I don't know how they fix it. Uh, for the other schools that aren't going to be playing in the 12-team playoff, I mean, there's 24 teams that are going to – there are 12 teams that are going to make that. But I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, how do you open a transfer portal in December the 5th while you've got playoff games going on? I, I they, They've got to get together and figure out some sort of feasible calendar and, as I say, guardrails that can allow this to happen. I don't know what that looks like, but I do think 2024 is going to be really, really newsworthy and eventful as far as that goes. Yeah. I can't wait to watch a uh, nine and three versus 10 and two first round football game. Going to be tremendous. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with you that something needs to be done and that if this was a sport that had any type of leadership or teeth or the ability to make common sense rules that by this time next year, we aren't in this same bind, but I will believe it when I see it, because I do not think that they are going to do anything because they are worried to death to get sued and, and held up in court. And so far the court systems have sided with the players every single time until they get contracts, until they do what Jim Harbaugh is talking about, which uh, I like how he does it as he's walking out the door, right? He's like, I'll take a pay cut, you know, and he's like, not going to be there to take a pay cut. I love that. Uh, but until those coaches come together and go, hey, we're going to have to lop off 15% of the profits we're all making. We're all going to have to take 15% less. The school, the athletic director, the coach, the trainer, the, the locker room redo, all that kind of stuff. Until they lop that off and make this a real revenue share situation where guys have contracts, I don't see how they're able to restrict player movement in a way 
that would make it more feasible for the calendar. Well said. And that's what we look forward to in 2024. In addition to the new look Longhorns and what is coming. And we will be covering it, of course, here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast. Our fourth quarter brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert and my brand new pearly white smile. The best advertisement I can give you is this right here. That beautiful smile. Dr. Eckert restored my teeth in 2023. And now moving forward, I've got it. He can do that for you as well with uh, what I did, which was a restoration. Also permanently secured dental implants. It's Dr. Greg Eckert with a U, U-E-C-K-E-R-T. You see the phone number on the banner there. Dr. Eckert is the best. Call him and into the new year, make it a resolution to get you or someone in your family that smile that they've always wanted. You can do it. Uh, he's been doing it 27, 28 years now in Austin, Texas, right off of far west, north central Austin. No one does it better. That's a wrap on another edition of the Eyes on Texas Multicast. We're a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's uh, Texas Football Podcast Network. We're powered by our great friends at Grande Equipment. Uh, Mike, tell folks how they can get a hold of the, uh, the subscription now in the new year at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. At texasfootball.com slash subscribe. It's a big time on the high school side. It's realignment year. So everything you know about districts and everything you know about the state of Texas is about to change. That's kind of what we're gearing up to uh, right now. And then, like I said earlier, you know, we're not too far away from having to go uh, back into magazine season. I'd imagine uh, there is some Texas flavor uh, somewhere in that magazine cover just after that big year uh, that they had moving into the SEC with A&M. So uh, going to be a fun uh, couple months on the Dave Campbell side, texasfootball.com. All right, that's going to put a wrap on the 36th edition of the Eyes on Texas Multicast. Thank you to our digital producer, Nolan Hogan, our executive producer, Griffin Hogan, who will edit this and get it out. Uh, and you can uh, take it in however you're going to find it, whether it's on YouTube at the Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube channel, the Horn FM in Austin's YouTube channel, or on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks to their incredible work this see this uh, episode thanks again to our founding partners at uh, uh, the texas mortgage guy carlos carrion hayes city store in driftwood and taste on main in downtown buta one source gas of central texas dr greg eckert my dentist and his brain vault technology and that mouthpiece that is more than a mouthpiece it's an orthotic that helps limit the uh, risk of concussions and of course we're powered by a presenting sponsor at grande equipment locally owned independent but worldwide equipment company serving the heavy equipment needs for everyone here in Central Texas and all over the world since 2004 at grandeequipment.com. It's the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football and Texas athletics. It's available, as we said, to watch on iTunes and YouTube and Spotify moving forward. Everybody have a great week. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you in episode 37 coming next week. Hook them.